You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, I'm back, and I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 31st, episode 3195, brought to you today by Kemen Equine. Good morning, horse people. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Well, coming up on today's show, we're going to have our Daily Dose horse, horse Health segment. You can never say that. I cannot that. say it's those awesome. together for some <laughs> reason. And we have a veterinarian coming on to talk about the myths, myths, I can't talk today. The myths <laughs> baby horses, baby horses. of having foals. That's right. And, you know, I figured you could handle that one because you've had a few foals. And I think you've broken a couple myths, actually. So we'll talk about that. I ha- I'll have some stories of vacation, let you guys know what Norway's like. Uh, Jamie got to fly over her farm with a certain pilot. And we- do you have any weird news? Uh, yeah, just one or two. Okay. And we're going to do a post show. So auditors, (laughs) yes, I know the post show has been gone for a couple of weeks, but we're back and we're going to talk about the worst drivers in America and whether we, Jamie and I agree with that uh, study uh, about which states have the worst drivers because we both have opinions. (laughs) Yeah. I'm also going to give you horse drama in the post show. So there you go. Oh, good. We'll have a packed post show to make up for the ones that we didn't have. So I did want to mention that there's an auction going on right now to benefit the USA para drivers. The para driving team is going to represent the USA at the 2023 FEI Para Driving World Championship to be held in the Netherlands, which I just came back from. And the thing about para driving is you got to move people and horses and cars. It's very expensive to fly over to the Netherlands to do para driving. So they're doing an auction right now that you can participate in. Uh, it is happening uh, through June the 2nd. And uh, they have all kinds of things from riding and driving tack to horse memorabilia and jewelry. They have halters from top racing thoroughbreds such as Funny Side, and I'll have another. Uh, some are even autographed by the trainers and jockeys and a whole bunch of other stuff. And the prices didn't seem to be way up there, and there's only a few days left in the auction. So head on over and see if you can uh, help support the pair of drivers and also get yourself something cool. We'll put the link in the show notes. Just scroll on your on your podcast player, and you'll see the link for the pair of driving auction, and we appreciate it. Oh my god, this is going to cost me some money. <laughs> they have some cool oh, stuff wow. in there, actually. Um, so I, I and you know, we we support the para teams, whether it's riding or driving, and and really wish them well. On the, I think this might be their first para driving trip to a championships like this overseas. So uh, I'm not sure about that, but I don't think they've done too many. So we're happy to support them and wish them the best. I will talk about vacation a little later in the show, so hang out for that. We did have some adventures. I can tell you a little bit about Amsterdam and what that was like, uh, and also just how Norway's just basically one postcard after another. (laughs) I have a few daily winnies I have to make up for some. Uh, We have some birthdays, a couple of those. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. 
couple of auditors with birthdays, Megan Clark and Jennifer Keen Taylor, and everybody I missed during the break. I tried to get them all. I hope you guys did the birthdays while I was gone, uh, but uh, we might have missed some. You gonna... did all of them before you left. No, there because... was some during the shows, too. I put them in. Oh, well, then. All right, then. If you missed your birthday, you have to write to Jamie at Horse Radio No, because you didn't put him in. I I did what I was told. (laughs) I also have a Daily Winnie for a Delta employee. Yes, I know. Her name is Webley, and I'm going to tell you why she gets a Daily Winnie a little later in the show. That woman was a saint. Um, So there are some left (laughs) in the flying world. There's We had no new auditors in the month of May. So if we have today left, if you're listening to this show and you've thought about being an auditor and you could afford $3 a month, head on over to horseradionetwork.com or horsesinthemorning.com and click on the auditor banner uh, and help support the network, help support Jamie. She gets part of that money every month. So it's the first month since we started this auditor program seven, eight years ago that we haven't had a new auditor. So you have today. Today is the last day of the month. Hopefully we can get you in there. I got to talk about cruising a little later. Later in the show, but our Horse Lovers Cruise page is back up. Since they put up the new website, the p- cruise page got destroyed. And right before I left on vacation, I mean the Sunday before, I managed to get it rebuilt. I had to take a class because they changed everything. So I managed to get it rebuilt. If you go to horseloverscruise.com and want to join us February 4th for six nights on one of the largest cruise ships in the world, Symphony of the Seas. And no, it's not the one from Carnival that went through the storm and did a dumbass thing. Um, this is this is a, a good ship, the Symphony of the Seas. It's a big ship. And uh, we have 30 or 40 people signed up already. So uh, we look forward to having you along as well. All right. that's I'm done with my Daily Winnie's this week. Do you want to do you want to feel old? I feel old already, but go ahead. <laughs> Just help me feel older. I'm going to make you feel old. I need the birthday Winnie sounder. Oh, you do? Okay, oh, yeah. well, hold on. I didn't know that. Let me it's right here. Happy birthday. Happy My son is 10 years old today. What? <laughs> he was conceived and born on this show. <laughs> he wasn't conceived on it, but practically born on it. <laughs> yeah, he was almost born on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, 10. 10? 10 years. We have been doing this show for Forever. that long that my kid is freaking 10 years old. Oh, my God. And he was born years after we started the show. <laughs> yeah. We started this show in, what, 2010. 2010. November of 2000. 2000. Yep, that's right. Yep. Yep. And then, oh, my gosh, he was born 2013. And so now he's 10 today. So happy birthday, Lucas. So we're in this show, and I think we're in our 14th year. Yeah. Yeah, it'll and, be 14 and years what in November. A lot of people don't realize is that Jamie and I, for the first, what, three years, right, till he was born, till you, you were pregnant and he was born, um, we did the show five days a week. It was mm-hmm. the two of us five days a week. And then after you had the baby, it was like, I got to come back a bit. So, and it was live. Yeah, it was live. Yeah. So that For was the years. other pressure. <laughs> we only quit doing live when I got really sick and had all those operations is when we because it was too hard. Um, but that's why we quit doing live. But yeah. Well, I wow. think it, we well, should have quit birthday, doing live Lucas. way earlier. Because remember, he would start crying I know. as a baby. And I was like, oh, God, I got to go. And yeah. I'd have to grab him. I think yeah. we should have never done live, actually. But <laughs> so. I agree. That was, you know what? Glenn is the guy with big ideas. And uh, sometimes 
Somebody should stop him. Hey, we're still here 14 years later. Look, you had a you had a son. You changed farms. We moved 16 times. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> well, happy birthday to Lucas. Tell him I said happy birthday. Give him a great big hug for me. I will. I know. And it's also my dad's birthday, which for those playing at home, um, it's the only grandchild for my father. And when I had Lucas on his birthday, I told him, you know what? I'm done. You're birthday wish has been fulfilled for the rest of your life. I mean, literally. I will do nothing. Like, you won't even, you won't even get a card. You'll be lucky to get a call. <laughs> he loves Lucas, too. He really does. Oh, my gosh. is like the greatest <laughs> gift ever. Like, here, let me do it on your birthday. Here you go. You're welcome. Well, happy birthday, Dad. Yeah, right? You didn't even do that. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> I told you I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Done. The man needs nothing. I gave him a grandson on his birthday. I'm done. <laughs> well, you know the name Balmoral Castle, right? I mean, the queen used to hang out there, ride her ponies there. They started something new this year. I think Charles is trying to make money on all these properties. So they started a, a stud tour of Balmoral Castle. So what they're doing is you can visit the castle, and they're doing very small groups of like six or eight people at a time. And a member of the Bar Balmoral Highland Pony Stud Team will take you around, show you the breed. Uh, they'll talk to you about how the estate works, take you on a tour and all that stuff. Uh, and they're doing them May, June, July, and August. And they said, book early because... You'll be disappointed if you don't. They made this announcement a few days ago. Jennifer went through this morning, and it appears that they're sold out. <laughs> it sold out that quickly. Can really? you imagine? Well, the people wow. in, the, in, in the UK or you know, any horse person in the UK is going to want to do this tour. So, I mean, it would be kind of cool because apparently it hasn't been open before. So this is, a, this is a brand new thing. It would be kind of cool. We could do a show from Balmoral Castle. That'd be kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, tickets are sold out. They're not going to let us in. But you got to do something really cool yesterday. I was surprised. I saw pictures. Yeah. So my, I'll give you the backstory. My husband, you know, obviously he's a, he's a pilot and he has had this dream, which I'm not allowing to have an airplane and have a runway, you know, like in our, in his yard. Of course, that's not going to happen. You have a few hills that might be a problem. Well, it's a pasture. It's for horses. It's well, not for your golf. And there's and some not serious hills. It's going to be interesting landing and taking off there. Yeah. So, so uh, he, you know, then he says, he's like, all right, well, what I want to do is I want to like get a plane and we'll go and we can fly wherever we want. I'm like, you fly all the time. <laughs> but then I'm like, it's like having horses and going on vacation. You want to ride horses on vacation. I get it. Okay. Gotcha. So he wants to get a plane someday. He wants to actually well, buy a plane kit and build the plane himself. Oh yeah. John Denver like, didn't have such good luck with that. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and he's like, and I was like, plus I get like, uh, as you know, I won't go on a cruise because I get motion sick and put me in the airplane. I'm pretty sure I'm going to yak. Like, it's bad. Like, I don't want to do, do that. You do big planes, but that's a lot different than the little four-seater. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So so he, I, he, I said, here's the deal. If you want to see if this is something that we're going to do in our retirement years, then I need to know if I can do it. I was like, why don't you just get tight? He had to get like a rating for these small planes, even though he flies F-16s and 737s. Well, I was going to ask you, how do you know which buttons were which? Because there's a lot less. 
Well, this is the plane he learned to fly on actually at the place he flew. So oh. I, I, here in Norman and he got his pilot's license before he got his driver's license. Oh, I that's didn't how, know that. Like, yeah. I mean, that's how serious oh, I, he was. I thought it. he learned in the, in the Air Force. No, no, no. He, oh. he went into the Air Force and the like, I'm going to be a pilot. I'm already a pilot. Let's do, you know, but like, uh. let's fly big paint. But anyway, I was like, you, I, I, you have to take me up in it a couple times just to see if we're going to be okay with it. If I'm physically able to do it, I don't know. Uh, so we, ho- we hopped on a plane this weekend. It was our anniversary. We had what? Oh yeah. By the way, happy anniversary. Well, happy Annie. anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> see when you have a kid on your, and you're right next to your anniversary, your anniversary doesn't matter anymore. So anyway, so he took me up in a plane for anniversary and I didn't get sick. And I can't say that. I did not. I can't say I super enjoyed it, but he was like, all right, I think what we're going to do is we're going to fly to uh, like Tulsa and land and have lunch and fly home. And then we get in the plan. I'm like, can we just go around the farm and come back? Like, I really don't want to do like a whole day of this nonsense. Like, let me just take me on a little tour around town and land. And so doesn't it seem like it goes really slow? It does go really slow. I was like, <laughs> how is this thing not just falling out of the sky? <laughs> and I asked him after that, I was like, how does this thing not just fall out of the sky? And he was like, yeah, I kind of felt like that too. <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. He's, he's used to going Mach 1. And, uh... thanks, thanks for that. Uh, yeah. He's like, I don't know. It just seems really slow. I'm like, yeah. You're the, aren't you supposed to know about that stuff? Anyway, but it was really cool. Lucas was in the back. And how I was, was in the front. Was it we went around a landing pizza cake. Yeah, he's got that. Yeah, he's got but that. yeah, he was like, "Oh, I didn't grease it like I should have. Like grease the wheels and, on the runway." And did he like, know what all the buttons were still for after all these years? It took him a minute. Uh, he had to. <laughs> I had to study to go up because he had to go up a couple of weeks ago to get like checked off. You know, like he could fly it, and so he had to study it. And then he was studying again in the morning. And then he sits in there and he's just like hitting every button. I'm like, "Are you sure you're qualified <laughs> to do this?" What did Lucas think? Like- Lucas, that was supposed to be cool for Lucas. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. He loves it. Like it's the coolest thing ever. But yeah, it was really fun and got to go drive around the farm. And all I realized was that my farm is overgrazed and I probably need to fertilize. <laughs> <laughs> I did see the farm pictures and it's so cool to see farm because we, we did that too when we had our farm. Because my buddy was a pilot and he used to take us up all the time. And you're right. About half the kids from the farm we took up with us got sick. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Only about half could do it. It's a much different experience than those little Piper Cubs. Well, we went, we flew around our farm and then we flew around our auditor, Patty Otto, her farm, and we flew around the in-laws house and they were waving. It was really fun. It was really fun. So don't you love it um, when he banks so you can take the pictures and you're looking straight down? You know, honestly, no, I did not appreciate that at all because he would just turn. And yeah. I was like, you have to tell me when you're going to do that. Because I, all of a sudden, I'm like, the blood will go down. <laughs> like, this man can fly like fighter jets and flies air, you know, he calls himself a bus driver in the sky. Yet I'm like terrified. I'm like, this is going to be on the news. This it can't end well. But it did. It was fine. It is it a whole fun. different experience. It just feels flimsy. It feels flimsy and it feels slow. Yes, exactly. Were you there? No, you- I've been on this place. <laughs> I saw the plane he was flying, and I've been in the same one. You know, and so I, one thing, though, if he ends up getting the plane, that is one hobby that'll be more expensive than horses. I know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, how much is that? It's, like, it's, it's only $95,000. And I'm like, it was built in 1952. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? That's not happening. I'm not doing, no, I'm not doing that because, you know, I love my husband, but he is like, 
like uh what about a new one let's do it and i'm like no 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 back at like even with a lot of our horses he's like just do it i'm like no 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 (laughs) easy for you to say (laughs) i wonder what a new piper small plane costs Oh, God, it's insane. It's insane. So he's looking at all these like planes from like the 1950s. I'm like, that doesn't seem safe. He's oh. like, well, they have to be redone every couple of years, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care. Okay, so so it looks like a brand new one uh, runs uh, about a quarter million. Yeah, yeah, we got that sitting around. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well, and you're, you, you, you have such a profitable thing you do here that I can appreciate why you're hesitating. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Because you understand it comes and goes. <laughs> it comes and it goes. Well, let's hear from Kevin Equine, and we're going to come back and talk about something that happened while we were on vacation at home. And it happens every single time. We've had no shortage of stress this past year, and a lot of our attention has been focused on maintaining our health and immunity. Stress and illness can actually form a vicious cycle in humans and also in horses. Elevated cortisol levels caused by stressors like extreme weather, disease, diet changes, travel and trailering can throw your horse's health and immune function out of whack. But did you know you can help reduce the negative impacts of stress by feeding your horse chromium every day? By lowering the levels of the stress hormone cortisol and optimizing overall energy use, feeding chromium results in improved body upkeep, health and immunity, performance, and overall well-being. To ensure you're supporting your horse, don't feed just any chromium. Feed your horse the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium propanate on the market today, ChemTrace Chromium from Chemin Equine. Ask for it by name and stress less. Learn more about Chemtrace Chromium at Kemen.com slash Chromium EQ. That's Kemen, K-E-M-I-N dot com slash Chromium EQ. So, Jamie, we've been doing this show, as we determined, for 14 years together. And I've been on vacation probably 15 to 20 times during that time. What happens every single time we go on vacation? Um, You get sick. (laughs) <laughs> that happened. I got COVID. <laughs> Sunday we get home. I get sick, high fever, um, all that stuff. Tested positive for COVID. My second round. Of course, Jennifer doesn't get anything because she has the immune immunity of an elephant. And horse uh, chick. Yeah, uh, she doesn't, and she didn't get it the first time I got, had COVID. So, but I'm I'm pretty good. I, three days and done. I'll take that. Now it was the other thing that happens every time we go away. Oh boy, what? Nigel gets hurt. Oh, God. Remember, every time we went away, Nigel would get hurt. It just seems like a thing. And I know Jennifer's never going to go away again. Um, so we get home, and he has a fat <laughs> knee. She's and done. Apparently, he got hurt running around the field, just bonked something. It was, you know, it's how going to get hurt. You know, there, he, it, it's never anything overly dramatic. It's just Nigel has a propensity for getting himself hurt. So, of course, she's been going go, going over every day since since we got back and icing it and doing all that stuff, which led me down a rabbit hole. I went, I wonder how much of horses' lives, on average, how much do they get hurt during a 25, 30-year life? Or how much time of that life and percentage, are they actually hurt or injured or disabled or whatever, right, or lame? Or is okay. it 25% of their life? I couldn't find an answer to that. But what I did find an answer to was a study that was done uh, recently by the Horse Trust out of Great Britain that said that 40% of horses in people's care had suffered traumatic injury in the past year. So the study they did with thousands of people showed that 40%, 40% in the past year? In the past year had gotten some kind of injury. That's almost half our horses getting injured every year. 
Like we're talking like big injuries and little injuries or well, this said traumatic injury. So I don't know what people consider traumatic is relative, right? So what you consider, tra- you've had so many injuries, what you consider traumatic might be different than what I do, right? So I, I mean, yeah, I've had injuries, but more illnesses. Yeah, that's you know, true. Like- yeah, you have had more illnesses. So th- this is interesting about injuries. Uh, only 13% of injuries occurred during ridden exercise, while 62% occurred while the horse was turned out in the field. I think this is a, not a good thing to say because then it's going to be like those people are like, you see, that's why we don't turn our horses out. But still, they have to be horses. Yeah, they have to be horses. But, you know, most of our injuries over the peer, over you know our lifetime of owning a lot of horses has been while they're out in the field. I mean, it's not been riding or doing anything else with them. It's been out in the field. Yeah, but I think about like this study is, yes, because like it's like people say, you know, you have more car accidents within five miles of your own home. It's because you don't go out of your home that much. And looking at a horse's day out of 24 hours, you may ride them, you know, generously an hour. Well, that doesn't change the percentages, right? They're still... They get more injuries while they're out in the field. That doesn't it needs change to the be percentages. A scale. <laughs> like our grades in high school, because they were so good, we really wanted the sliding scale. Graded on a curve. <laughs> that led down another rabbit hole to this study that just came out um, that was talking about riding injuries, about about people injuries. And now and you know, we've always heard that obviously horseback riding is one of the most dangerous sports. It's more dangerous than skiing and motorcycling. Seventy-five percent of equestrian deaths are caused by head and neck injuries. I think we knew that. Two out of three horse riding injuries could have been prevented. Now, they didn't go into details on that, so I'm 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 wondering about that one. It's the leasing get this though. Horseback riding is the leading cause of sports related traumatic brain injury over football and any other sport. And you know that. Are when- you done? Because you're literally telling our audience <laughs> not to listen to us anymore. <laughs> it just was interesting that that it's we've talked about this before about how dangerous i mean when we lived in lexington if you said you were coming in with a horse riding injury to one of the hospitals they were preparing i mean they knew any place where there's a lot of horseback riding the hospitals know but you know so it you know this just led me down this rabbit hole and i went this latest study is not it doesn't sound any different than the previous years but boy is it dramatic and who did that study i don't know i didn't you know i don't look into i just look at the headlines I mean, here's the thing, like that study was done by, you know, some sort of manufacturer of safety equipment or. No, it wasn't. Actually, it was one of the like it was one of like the uh, horse trust or one of those from one of the countries that did the study. But we've heard this before. I mean, I don't think this is news to anybody. Um, You know, hey, guess what? Horses are dangerous and you can get hurt. Yeah, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say I mean, one of the riders the other day, uh, one of our auditors the other day was on a trail ride and hit a PETA person on the trail. Did you read that? No. Uh, Yeah. PETA person then reamed him out for riding horses and right on the trail. Um, And I'm like, you know, because how dangerous it is for the horses. And it's like, no, they get hurt more in the field. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, you just stepped in a bug. You're horrible. You just squished, killed a poor innocent bug. Oh, that must have been fun dealing with that while on a trail ride. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I didn't read that. I have to go back through because that's crazy. Yeah, that must have been fun. 
Uh, one other thing, too, is uh, the speaking of horse deaths, I know this is a wonderful Wednesday. Welcome back, everybody. Jesus, Glenn, you're killing me here. <laughs> this one we have to talk about, though. The Horse Integrity and Safety Authority finally called a meeting over all the horse deaths that have happened in Kentucky. It's like Del Mar ring. all over again. Remember Del Mar a couple it, years it ago? It might be worse. They've lost 12 in a month. They yeah. lost two over the weekend. Uh, and I don't know. Did they change? Do we know if they changed the track? Surface? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 they got to figure this one out. I mean, they got to figure out what's causing these deaths because all of a sudden it's it's you know it's just way up again. Hey Jennifer, don't forget the board check. Okay, <laughs> she's heading to them. Um, so you know, I just don't know. I I don't know what's causing it, and they're there to find out. Veterinarian teams from Churchill Downs, from the uh, Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, they called an emergency meeting, and they're meeting in Lexington right now to find out whether it's uh, training surfaces, drugs, what's causing these injuries, because most of them have been injuries. They haven't been heart attacks, so they've been, you know, hurt their legs or whatever, and they have to be put down. Um... You know, you and I always come back to the same thing, but nobody's ever going to listen to us. So, I mean, we always come back to stardom later. And, you know, I don't know if that's the answer or not, but uh, that's the one that we come back to. But I, mm-hmm. you know, it's never going to happen. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with this. I'm glad this quote-unquote authority is there now. They're the ones uh, that are... So, yeah, no, no. I mean, they're, they'll get to the bottom of it if anybody will, so... I mean, that's why they're there. That's why they got put in... That's why they were voted into law to have this authorities to deal with stuff like this. So we'll see what they get out of it. I mean, we'll see what happens with it. Uh, they're going to have to get serious about it because it is a serious issue. I mean, that's a lot of horses. Horses die. And, you know, they die of heart attacks all the time. Not much you can do about that. It's a heart attack. People die of heart attacks all the time. But if, if a lot of this is preventable then we need to figure out how to prevent it and then do something about it. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of money in racing, so we'll find out what happens. <clears throat> but they are, they are at least doing something. Uh, they've called a meeting, so we'll find out what happens at the meeting. Next up, our guest is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. Uh, we have, uh, there's a name for you, Sally Ann Donata. Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. <laughs> Are you just going to say it and pretend that you know it? Remember, I told you, just own it. Just I'm going with Donata. Uh, she's a, a veterinarian, a DVM, a PhD. She has all the letters. And she's a <laughs> clinical assistant professor of large animal internal medicine right up the street here in Gainesville at the University of Florida. And today we're going to talk about foals, foaling, and myth busting. Dr. Donata, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. All right, so you're down in Florida. Probably there's a very good amount of foals that are born down in Florida every year, I'm assuming. Absolutely, yep. We have a robust uh, mare and foal industry. Yes, I would imagine a lot of racehorses down there too. Now, you're at University of Florida, the Gators, and uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys do on the daily. Yeah, so um, I'm on the faculty at the U.S. College of Veterinary Medicine. So we have a couple missions here at UF. Um, One is the obvious, of course, which is to train um, the next generation of veterinarians. So we have uh, about 500 veterinary students in in across the four classes that come through and and they just graduated this last weekend with their um, DVM degrees. And then they go out and, and practice or go into internships. And so we're kind of that last four years of their education before they're 
card carrying uh, vets. And then mm-hmm. the other, um, our other mission is clinical service. So uh, at the vet school, we actually have two um, specialty hospitals. So we have a small animal hospital and then the equine and large animal hospital. And they are, um, we, we're, we, we are able to offer essentially every specialty service um, that is available in veterinary medicine now. So we have uh, folks that are very good at things like preventative and primary care, and but also specialists that just do, say, dentistry or cardiology or medicine or surgery. Um, and even that's broken down into orthopedic surgery, soft tissue surgery. So it's a place where people can bring their pets for basic care um, or if veterinarians around the southeastern United States um, need a little bit more advanced uh, veterinary consultation or care, they can refer um, horses or small animals to UF and and we take care of them. So okay, we, I grew up in Atlanta and UGA was the place that, oh, you need yeah. to go to the university kind of deal. So that's awesome. And congratulations on we graduating busy. a bunch of new veterinarians because we definitely need them. Yeah, we sure do. And this was a great class. We had um, almost 20 um, equine oriented veterinary students this year, which is a lot for, for any class. So we're, And they're really good. So get ready that we've got got a bunch of really good uh, horse vets that are now just fresh into the industry. Oh, that's fantastic. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Now, one of the things we were going to talk to you about today is foals, having foals mm-hmm. and myth busting. Now, uh, I guess, you know, pe- people are, you know, especially horse people steeped in tradition. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that people are, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. What are some of the things that you have seen people doing that maybe isn't the greatest thing when they're having foals. Yeah, gosh, there's, there's a, there's a few. And and I think people who have mares that are falling out, um, often fall into two categories. You know, there's, there's large scale breeding operations that might fall out multiple mares a year and, and have a lot of experience working, um, with their veterinarian and with their farm personnel and, and, um, you know, really have a lot of working knowledge of how to take care of pregnant mares and then how to take care of the new new foals. And then there's a, a, another group of uh, that's pretty common, which is um, people that might have a few horses or even just one horse and decide that they would like to breed one of their mares, whether it be because they want to have that experience of raising a foal or they want to pass her genetics on because she was a good mare. And so they breed that mare um, in, in hopes of getting a single Full, of course, and those are the those are the types of um, owners that I think I try to focus on um, pretty heavily in 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 just with uh, educational resources because there are some things that are pretty unique to handling a pregnant mare, and if you haven't done it before, there are things that you know might not be totally intuitive. Um, and so, the first and foremost, I just say if if people want to go through the pregnant mare and full experience, the first person to call is your veterinarian and make sure that they know the plan. Um, they may actually be involved in the breeding itself. So uh, they might find out that way, um, but uh, make sure that they know that that is your plan and make sure that you have a good chat with them about how you're going to kind of mark out your healthcare calendar from, you know, even the, the first day that you think the mare might be pregnant, because there's a lot of things, um, Leaving it to nature, so to speak, is not a good idea. There's a lot of places along the way that we can really 
help ensure the health of the mayor in full with some just really pretty simple preventative health care. And that starts right after the mayor is um, in full. So as early as 10 to 14 days, um, the mayor should be checked to make sure that they don't have twins. That's a, that's a time when if the veterinarian ultrasounds your mayor and finds that there are two embryos, um, eliminating one of them, and depending on what stage, there's a few ways to do that. Uh, the, all which are at that stage very safe for the mayor um, can really be really important. I think lots of um, uh, lots of reason to not have not have twins. The main one is that they they often don't survive. Horses are really not genetically biologically equipped to. They're not goats. Um, exactly, exactly, <laughs> and they're not dogs. They don't have litters. Um, so um, they're really meant to have one baby at a time. And um, unlike you know even humans who generally have one baby but can have twins and triplets successfully, uh, twins are really um, a disaster more often than they are uh, a good outcome. And it's a long time to have a pregnant mare and a lot of health care to to be prepared for do you find owners that, that might not make it. Do you find owners that just want the romanticism and the, you know, oh, it'd be so cool to have twins? Um, not, not often because it, there is just such an incredibly low chance of them surviving. And most twins need such intensive care that the cost is enough to, yeah. um, you, you know, so I, I haven't had that Often, but what I think of, what is the more common scenario is someone breeds their mare and then doesn't have her checked. And then if, if once it's once you get past a certain point in their gestation, that it's no longer safe to eliminate one of the embryos, um, and then you're stuck. Or if they buy a mare pregnant that wasn't checked, sometimes that can happen. Or if it's a pasture breeding and they didn't really know. So again, that's kind of back to that: don't leave things to nature because you might not have a great outcome and, and Dr. Donata, let's be fair. You are in Florida. So anything goes in the state of Florida, it seems. So there's probably been some really interesting things that you've seen and you're being so polite, but like we know you're in Florida. <laughs> Glenn's in Florida too. I'm in Florida so I get too. It. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think I don't know. I mean gosh, I practiced in New York and Colorado and Oregon and I think there's 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 folks on all sides of the spectrum in, in all the States I've been in. Yeah, certainly. People are and, people, right? I mean, I don't yeah, really yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think anywhere where you have rural areas where people have land and the ability to let horses be in a more herd like scenario, then, you know, you can have animals that are breeding controlled or not controlled. Um, so certainly having, you know, mares checked, make sure that she gets off on her right foot and then, um, and then the other sort of misconception is that you don't need to do anything before the baby's born. And that's um, that's really not a great idea. You want to, of course, you want to keep a mare as healthy as possible because she's going to have a lot of energy demands growing this um, this this fetus, um, this growing foal in, inside her. But horses are really unique in that the foal's immunity at birth is transferred in that first milk in colostrum. And that is more important in horses than it is in other species. Um, it, foals are essentially born with um, an incompetent immune system, believe it or not, um, which one might wonder why that evolutionarily is a good idea, but the, um, they are able to get their uh, immune system essentially 
as antibodies that come through that colostrum. So it's really, really important that not only that they get it, but that it's good quality. So not all colostrum is um, created equally. Some has low levels of antibodies, some has high levels of antibodies. The way that you can maximize the level of antibodies um, in colostrum is by vaccinating the mare about a month before she foals. Mm-hmm. And so we booster mares with vaccines. Usually they're full kind of annual um, uh, schedule, whatever that might be regionally. There's vaccines that there's core vaccines that every mare gets everywhere. And then there's some that are more regional in nature. And so having a vet come give her a good dose of boosters around four to six weeks before foaling that stimulates all those antibodies to be produced in her bloodstream and they essentially get dumped straight into colostrum and then given to the foal. So it's a really yeah. easy way to, I, to ensure your I, foal has healthy. I mean, the first foal that I was going to have, I was like, you know, breed the best of the best to get the best. I had a very nice warm blood mare picked, uh, did, you know, an Olympic stallion, yep. you know, and all yep. this. And you've got, it was so important to me. Of course, I decided to do this and I start reading all the books on foaling and basically all the things that can go wrong. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. I was quite paranoid, but I think the most important thing. What you expect and you're expecting for horse owners, right? Exactly. What's the worst (laughs) that can happen? And it's going to happen to you. (laughs) And so it was such an important thing to me to have my veterinarian as part of my team. You know, it's not, it's not just me going at it. We have to go as a team and I'm going to bounce questions off. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to, I was probably incredibly annoying, but you know, healthy baby girl. So I feel like I did the right thing, you know, and, uh, and, and then the second one I had went great. Then the third one I had just bless her heart. She just turned a year old this past weekend and she has had every challenge you can possibly have, including yeah. like epiphysitis and then on stall rest, broke her leg and broke her knee, oh, you know, no. like all, I mean, just everything. But if I would not have had such an incredible veterinary team around me, you know, that I, I probably, she wouldn't be out there today. So, um, it is important to do that. Now, some of the things that I, when I had my first full, some of the things I went to to equine management school in Kentucky and we delivered babies. Mm -hmm. And one of the things was you got to put iodine on the navel and I want, and then once I had, you know, my own, they were like, Oh no, you don't use iodine, use no, you know, all these things like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these kind of ideas. What is your thought on that? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Iodine is too caustic. Um, we have better compounds, you know, back when maybe iodine was the only, only option to keep. The goal is, of course, to keep the navel clean because it is, for the first several days of life, a direct pipeline into the foal's bloodstream. And so until it dries up and, and clots properly, they can get infections that have to be, you know, sometimes they have to have their little belly buttons surgically removed, which is a lot of stress you know, general anesthesia and um, a lot of unnecessary cost and risk to the foal um, when perhaps just keeping that navel disinfected and clean could have prevented it. So it's a really important, um, I think, part of foal care. As far as what to use, iodine is um, a bit too caustic. So we often say either a solution of um, betadine, which you can get at drugstores or grocery stores, and you dilute it until it looks like a weak tea. It works better when it's um, when it's dilute and it's safer for skin and kind of sensitive surfaces. So you can dilute it to a weak tea, um, or you can use a Novafen antiseptic solution. So that's 
it's usually pink or blue. It's the same stuff again. You get it at the drugstore. Um, and th those are usually diluted or you can dilute them according to the label. And what I like to do is rather than when you when you often see navel dips set outside of a Marin full stall, it's, you know, like a plastic cup that after you dip the navel three or four times, it, it turns this kind of dirty, cloudy, just gross solution, which is actually not totally um, defies the purpose, right, of keeping the surface clean. So what I like to do is actually put that into a little spray bottle and then you can just um, you can actually just spray the navel off and then your solution stays nice and clean and you're not dipping it over and over in this kind of nasty cesspool of solution. Right, um, so right. that's that's my little trick. Um, or you can use if you have a syringe, you can use a syringe and just kind of squirt the end. And then the other the other thing I tell people about that is once it's after, you know, you can do it a couple times a day for the first few days and then keep an eye on that, on that little navel and that little umbilicus. And when it starts to get nice and dry and reduces in size, leave it alone. Don't keep dipping it because then you're just going to keep it wet. And that's, that, that'll just encourage bacterial growth. So after a couple of days, a, a normal umbilicus, you should be able to loop, to leave it alone. It's really just those first, first couple of days. Gotcha. And then one other thing before we let you go, because we've taken up a lot of your time here. Um, another thing is straw versus shavings. That seems to be a kind of point of contention, whether the foal should be born on straw or shavings or outside. What do you prefer? Yeah. So it depends on the, often it depends on what you have in your area. So here in, in where I am in Florida, we have a hard time getting straw that isn't really, really dusty. And so you know, I think having your first few breaths be, you know, a, a, a really dusty, high particulate matter um, uh, hay, pile of hay or straw is not a great thing. So we fill our mares on shavings because they're cleaner and they're more readily available. With that said, of course, as you probably noticed in Lexington, everything is on straw and that works really well. I like straw because it doesn't stick to the to, to newborns um, the way that shavings do, but I don't know that I've ever seen shavings cause any sort of health problems. You just they're just a little harder to rub off while you're trying to get the baby um, uh, dry. And then I do think it's worth commenting on foaling mares outside. I, that is actually um, if if you're able to. Foaling mares outside is a really good strategy from a health standpoint. It is very difficult to truly sanitize a barn, even a barn that's being regularly wiped or cleaned or sprayed. Um, though barns have pathogens, certainly, and particularly barns that have had mares and foals in them for years and years. And so things like rotavirus and clostridia, diseases that you do not want your foal to get in his first few days of life, um, we've had really good luck uh, reducing or eliminating foal disease from some of those infectious agents by just letting mares fall outside. And even, uh, you know, if you're in an area that has pretty chilly um, uh, nights in the foaling season in the spring, uh, there have been um, certainly they do this a common practice in Kentucky and those little guys can be born um, at night as they often mares mares that fall in the day. We say that's an abnormal um, occurrence just in itself. So do they do are, that just to piss us off? 
probably in to keep veterinarians up at night. But um, yeah, I always, any foal born in the day should be uh, considered high risk. But foals are born at night and sometimes you'll find those little guys and they have, um, you know, frost on the tips of their ears and on their, on the ends of their coats and they do just fine. Dude, I, I wish my, so my mare, we, we could never full outside because we have coyotes around. And so yeah, you yeah. just can't allow nature yeah. to happen because it won't be good. But what happened with my mare is, you know, I did the milk test drips. I'm like, yeah. she's going, she's going tonight. And every single time we've had three foals, every time I slept in the barn, I was ready. Yeah. And yeah. then. I'd watch her all night and she'd just be like, "Mm -mm, not going to happen. Just mm -hmm. not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to. And I'm like, honey, nature is going to win. It's going to come out. Mm -hmm. Like she Mm -hmm. had probably 10, you know, and, uh, she always folded like nine in the morning because she just fought it all night long. Yeah. It was nine (laughs) in the morning every time, all three times. So that was her pattern. It's her pattern. So abnormal or not, that was, she's just. And I come I back to, was, they're just trying to piss us off. I, yeah. That's what I come back yeah. <laughs> Well, and, exactly. and I think, I think you bring up a good point that mayors have much more of their own um, endogenous reproductive calendar than say humans in, in, in human um, OB medicine. You know, if you, if you go past a certain date, then it's, considered safe to induce you or i mean everybody knows women that have said oh i'm a week over i'm going to go in and have a have a nice scheduled induction or a scheduled c-section or um you know we have these very kind of set dates where we know the health of the baby um is such that uh, they can they are ready for extra uterine life and that is really 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 different for bulls they don't mature in the mare until usually 48 hours um, before they're born, regardless of gestational length. So inducing a mare is very risky. You will probably, your veterinarian will probably tell you that it is a bad idea in most cases. Um, Certainly there are scenarios where perhaps it's indicated, but it's not something we take lightly. It's not something we schedule for convenience ever. Um, And some mares foal at 330 days, some foal at 360 days. And so you're lucky if you have a mare that has had several foals and you know that in your case, she likes to fall at 9am and that's normal for her. <laughs> um, and it can be a little stressful figuring out the schedule of a maiden mayor, but um, mayors tend to do similar things year after year. And as, as veterinarians and owners, the best thing we can do is not interfere and let, let them do their thing. Isn't it amazing that mm-hmm. all the things that can go wrong and do go wrong and we have to help, we have to fix, we have to vaccinate, we have to be there and we have to do this, blah, 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 that horses even exist? Like what? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, <laughs> they keep equine healthcare professionals in business. That's, the, that's <laughs> how they're designed. Um, I, I often say, and, and just the one final thing that I think is really, really important for anybody that's having, um, having a foal or going to have a foal is make sure your vet comes out and does a healthy foal care check at about 24, 12 to 24 hours of age. Absolutely. Even if the baby is up, certainly if there's anything abnormal about the foal, if it doesn't, we always, we say they should stand in one hour, um, uh, nurse in two hours and the mare should pass her placenta in three hours. So it's the one, two, three rule. You can find that, or, you know, Google any resource on healthy that's a really common the one two three rule is a is a is a common tradition and um that's that's a that's a real rule to follow so certainly call your vet if there's anything 
wrong from the get-go. But even if your foal is running, galloping laps by the next morning, nursing well, past his meconium, seems to be in every way a healthy foal, it's really important to have your vet out because um, you want to have them look for any congenital abnormalities. So make sure the eyes are normal, the palate's normal, make sure that their umbilicus is normal, things that you might not know to look for um, if, if you're not a veterinarian. So make sure that there are, uh, that the foal is anatomically and congenitally normal. And then you can have a blood test done that measures antibody levels. And that's really important because you can't predict which foals didn't get enough antibodies. And, and you've got a window of time in that first 24 hours when um, you can actually treat them with more colostrum orally uh, um, and, and get their immune systems robust. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Donata, it's been a pleasure having you on. Hopefully we can have you on again uh, to talk more horse health stuff, but um, I do really appreciate it. And uh, you are the clinical assistant professor. Give the website where people can find you. <laughs> your, your title is too long. All these letters. Oh. <laughs> we just, well, we like to make it difficult, just like the mayors, right? <laughs> <laughs> You can just Google uh, UF College of Veterinary Medicine Large Animal, and you'll see me and my whole my whole team. We have a good group here at UF. All right. Thank you, Dr. Donata. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. You as well. Happy to chat anytime. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Well, there you go. That's uh, uh, There was a lot of good information. I learned some things in there that I didn't know, like the encouraging mm-hmm. it to, to fall outside now. I, I, you know, there's a myth I would have went the other way. I know, so, right? I know. But yeah. again, he I, I'd heard that it was, you know, hey, just let him have the baby outside. I'm like, that would have been really nice to not have to muck out those straw stalls. <laughs> um, however, uh, it's not going to happen when you have, you know, wildlife critters. Let's hear from Daily Dose and I'll come back and tell you a little bit about our trip. I'm here with the mad scientist who developed Daily Dose equine horse feeds. Janet Geyer. And I wanted to have a quick chat with you because Daily Dose Equine Horse Feed are non-GMO whole food nutrition based. And a lot of people go, oh, that comes from a small dedicated feed mill. I won't be able to get that when I travel. They're wrong, aren't they? They are. You can get it through Chewy anywhere in the United States. Or if you live locally in Maryland and Northern Virginia, you can get it delivered. There you go. Chewy.com. It will deliver it anywhere you want. You can also schedule delivery in advance so you can have it delivered every X number of days. And you can go in there to your account and change it every time you move horse show venues. So check it out today. DailyDoseEquine.com online or Chewy.com. As horse owners, we spend a lot of time on the road. Let U.S. Rider help keep you covered. Our equestrian motor plan offers fast, reliable, nationwide service from our highly trained roadside assistance team. 24-7 coverage for both you and your horse. Membership includes horse trailer servicing, towing, flat tire repair, even on dual wheels, battery assistance, and lockout service on any vehicle in your plan. We also have your equine companions covered with referrals for emergency vet services, barrier referrals, and emergency stabling assistance. Get peace of mind on the road for you and your horse. Join U.S. Rider today. So to talk a little bit about our trip to Amsterdam and then on our cruise of Norway, uh, if you remember right, before I 
when we did the last episode, I said I wasn't even sure I was going to get there because we had booked our airline tickets through the cruise company. And for some reason, one week before we were supposed to do our flights, they canceled the tickets. Yeah, and we we kind of updated everybody on your on your travels, okay. and you did make it, and then your bags were lost, and yeah, then okay. you got your bags. But I got to thank this Webley. Her name is Webley, unusual name. Uh, but we flew to JFK on tickets, and that and they told us in Orlando when we left, we're not sure. We see you're confirmed on your flight to Amsterdam, but we cannot physically get you tickets. Uh, we can't get you boarding passes because the system won't let us. There's just something screwed up. And he said, you're just going to have to fly to JFK and see if you can get a flight. I felt like you on standby. <laughs> fun. So we go, the, and of course, JFK is a freaking nightmare because it's just busy. It's like Christmas busy. And I said, to, we asked a couple of Delta people and they were like, ah, oh, you know, we, we, we can't help you go somewhere else. So we, I said, we need to find a gate agent who has nobody at the gate, whose flight isn't ready to go yet and looks bored. So we walked around that terminal till we found Webley, who was this tiny, tiny little gate agent uh, who was sweet as pie. And uh, we we explained our situation. She spent an hour getting us tickets. She had two phones, one to each ear at one point, talking to supervisors. Nobody could figure out why our our, uh, reservation was so screwed up. She finally got us an earlier flight, which is why the bags got screwed up. Uh, Got us on an early flight. She said, I'm just going to quit this. I'm going to delete it all, and I'm just going to find you tickets to Amsterdam. And that's what she did. And that's after an hour how we got there. She she spent an hour with us to getting it done. She's like, I'm not letting you guys leave here until you get to Amsterdam. So she was a savior. I got to give her that. There are those people out there still. So Amsterdam, a couple of just quick comments. Um, Bikes. Oh, my God. There are just a million bikes everywhere. Bikes rule the roads. Bikes have right of way over pedestrians, cars, whatever. There's bike lanes on every street. Uh, Even along the canals, there's bike lanes. And there are 150 bikes going in every block in every direction all the time. It's like playing a video game when you walk around Amsterdam, just trying not to get hit. Apparently, they're definitely a bike culture. Um, And they're just stacked up everywhere. I mean, just these huge stacks of bikes. People just... Use bikes because you don't want to drive because of all the bikers. So um, the red light district, everybody talks about that. We did a private tour, and I highly recommend this. Write this down. Toursbylocals.com. And I know you guys go to you guys go to European cities. Look up toursbylocals.com. They're just local people who do tours. But it's kind of set up like Airbnb, where you book it through Tours by Locals. Everything runs through Tours by Locals. They get their insurance by Tours by Locals. It's really a good organization. The communication was excellent. I would use them anytime we're going anywhere. And a couple of the people we met on the cruise used them and loved this organization. The guy who took us around was absolutely fascinating. So we had a private tour, just Jennifer and I. And he spent three hours with us. He he actually has a business in the red light district. He was also Jewish and told us about how his one grandfather was the only one to live through the Holocaust in Amsterdam and all of that. And he got, you know, we went through all of that. Um, it was just super fascinating. It's stuff that you would never get on a bus tour, right? That they're just reading their script. This guy lived there and gave us the, you know, everybody knew him. He took us places that you would normally need get to go. Matter of fact, this is my plan for after retirement. I'll still do this show, but when I'm not running the horse <laughs> radio network anymore, I'm going to give tours of the horse places around Ocala. 
I think I'd like doing. I think I'd be good at that job. I think that would be fun. And then you just I work. see you as a tour guide or a Walmart reader. One yeah, of those. One of those. Either and one. those were my two goals right there. So I think that I might just do that. Then you work when you want. And it wasn't cheap. I mean, they're not cheap, but but it's worth it because you get the locals, right? Uh, yes, pot smoke is everywhere. I We were definitely a little high each time after we got into the Airbnb, which was absolutely great, too. Um, and that guy was a saint. That ran the Airbnb, but it was definitely that way. Now I've heard that that the, on the day we left last week, they outlawed public pot smoking now because the British tourists were causing too much trouble. Apparently, oh, wow. British men visiting Amsterdam have caused huge problems in Amsterdam, and they're trying to get rid of it. I don't think they can control that because it was just everywhere. <laughs> it was just everywhere. Um, I lost five pounds in this trip because when you go to Europe, what do you do a lot, Jamie? You walk. We did. Well, or bike, yeah. apparently. <laughs> I wouldn't have biked there. I would have been too scared. And you know I ride bike all the time. I'd have been too scared to ride my bike there. Fifteen to 20,000 steps a day we did on this this trip. It was crazy. Um, but then we got on the cruise and we had... Sorry about that. We did the fjords of Norway. And Norway, the fjords, are like you're in a postcard or a painting every moment. Every time you turn your head, every direction you look, it's another painting. It was just one of the most beautiful places. We've been to Alaska. Yeah. We've been to all those places. But this was one of the most beautiful places we've ever seen. Because Is it's, Norway expensive? Like, Yeah, yes. I mean, doing it on the cruise was probably cheaper than... Well, the other thing is we wouldn't drive on the roads. They ha- Because it's all mountains. So you've seen roads that are switchbacks. These switchbacks were straight up and then turn. And straight up and then turn. There was one switchback we could see from the ship that went from the bottom to the top of probably a 2,000-foot mountain that was just switchback after switchback up the mountain. And you could see the buses. Two buses could not make the turns on the switchbacks at the same time. And we, we see buses backing up the hills, and they were steep hills. It was crazy. I, Jennifer said there's no way she would – she hates those kind of, you know, where you're looking over the edge and it's a 2,000-foot drop. And that's all Norway was. It was just these roads on the sides of mountains, tunnels and bridges and all this stuff. But it was it was beautiful. I mean, seeing it by boat was probably the best way because you also get to see the fjords. I mean, we sailed for hours in some of these fjords to get to the little towns, and little towns are just charming. Uh, but then there's waterfalls everywhere, the, you know, the, the land of waterfalls. Um, there's something like 2,500 glaciers in Norway. So, you know, we, and when we were there, all the snow was melting off the mountains, so the waterfalls were in full full force, and you just sell them everywhere. Uh, so that was beautiful. I highly recommend. They're magical. Uh, it's definitely worth worth doing. The people are lovely. Most of them speak English. We, very rarely did we find a place where somebody didn't speak English. Um, so I, you know, I recommend it. We did Holland America on this cruise. Uh, it's definitely an older crowd. Jennifer and I felt young for the first time in a, many years, uh, mm-hmm. because this was an older crowd. Uh, but we did make friends on the boat and had two couples we hung out with all week. Now, you would love them. These couples, probably our age, retired. One was a, a submarine captain, actually. They travel all the time. They do the 30 to 60 day cruises. Wow. Um, yeah. I'd you... rather die. No, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Like, I'm trying to think of something positive to say no, about that. No, I don't know that I could do a 60-day cruise. <laughs> no, I've heard about those people, like, 
like their retirement plan is to live on a cruise ship because it's cheaper than like getting well, you get a, your maid service and you get your food. Yeah. And, I mean, like it's a thing now where they're, they're like, it's, it's cheaper to live on a cruise ship than to live like in a facility. Yes. Oh, that's facility. definitely cheaper. Yeah. There's no question about that. And the food's better. <laughs> so yeah, they have cruises now that are 155 days around the world cruises. It's just nuts. I mean, I don't know. We've only done seven nights, and that, I'm ready to get off by about seven nights. Yeah. But yeah, these people were great. We had a great time. So anyway, there's it is. Go to Norway if you get a chance. What You have to visit Amsterdam once. I, I don't think I'd go back. It was cool. The canals were cool. All of that was cool, but I don't think I need to go back. Did you go out in Amsterdam in the red light district? Yeah, at we did. Night? He took us right through it. Yeah, I mean, I took... know, but like at night? No, we didn't go there at night uh, because it was quite a walk from where we were. Well, it's probably good. I've, yeah. heard, I've heard some stories. Well, it was very underwhelming. There are more strip clubs in Lexington, Kentucky than in Amsterdam. Yeah, but you didn't go at night and see the people in the windows. Yeah, we did. We walked past, and they were friends of this tour guide. He is the one that set up a charity to help him out, to help the prostitutes out through COVID. So he knew them all. They waved wow. to him as he walked by. He was he was their friend. But then he told us the horrible stories of how they end up with there, which makes you never want to support that in your life. Um, but yeah, it was very underwhelming. The streets narrow. You could barely fit three people across. It was just with all the beauty of Amsterdam. And that's all anybody talks about. And it was just the smallest part. We were in the red light district a lot, you know, and it was, you know, a lot of restaurants and all that stuff there. Uh, and a couple of sex shops and things like that. But it really was, again, you see more in Lexington, Kentucky than you see in, in, in most parts of Amsterdam. It wow. was, it was just, it was what, it was not what we expected that way. We expected that to be, you know, much more in your face. And it, it definitely wasn't. Tourists, yes, a lot of tourists in your face. Yeah. com. they're having their Memorial Day clearance event is continuing. Head on over there. You can't miss the banner at the top of the page. They have 10 pages. That's 480 items that are on sale right now. They're clearing out of the warehouse. It's the time of year we had a tax shop where you had to clear out the warehouse of the winter stuff and all of the uh, stuff that's being discontinued to get the summer stuff in. So that's what they're doing right now. And as I said, there's 10 pages of sheets and blankets and uh hay bags and boots and halters, just all kinds of stuff. You want to go right now, though, to make sure that you get you get the uh, size you need, because sizes will be limited. So, oh, right now there's 4,000, oh, I was wrong, 4,808 deals in the clearance section. So uh, they do have it broken down by category, so it's a little easier to get around. I see saddle pads in here, stall guards, just all kinds of stuff for the barn, for the ewe, for the horse, horse boots. Uh, and they do tell you how many are left in stock, so get on over there right now and shop at statelinetech.com. Want to do some weird news? Let's do it. All right. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Yeah, I'd like to thank some people who participated in sending me weird news stories. And that is, let's see, it's coming at the last minute page. Jolyn, Nicole, Laureen, Betty, Jenny, Alicia, Alleywood Farm, Elizabeth, Julie, Anna, and Sarah all sent me weird news stories. And I'd like to, oh, and Betty too. Did I say Betty? Okay. And uh, so I want to thank you guys. Well, I guess some of y'all, I mean, (laughs) 
I'm not going to lie. Laureen has been sending me weird news stories every week since the beginning of this conception, right? She got Laureen. Where are you getting news, sister? It was like, woo. She was shopping was, in the red light district for news. She was in the red light a district of the news. And I thought it was really funny. Again, I can't read all these stories on the air, but just know I really enjoy reading them. <laughs> I tried to look over in Norway for a weird news story, but I can't read any of that. They have the strangest language over there with a uh, lot yeah. of letters. A lot of letters, yeah. a lot of letters. Well, let's start. We're going to go to, we mentioned Kentucky several times on today's show, so it's only fitting that we would head to Kentucky. By the way, if you want to participate in this and help me out or sh- shock me, <laughs> send, if you see a weird news story, email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com with the weird news in the subject line again. Do just I need like- a red light bumper? This is a red light news story. This is not, no, I don't cover those. I can't because, yeah, I was like, Laureen, filthy. I like it. <laughs> um, well, no, this time we're going to head to Kentucky because there's a man in Louisville, Louisville, who's facing an assault char- charge after he shot his roommate, quote, in the ass. That's right. Roommates, argument gets heated. One guy pulls out a gun and shoots the other guy in the butt. Of course, the other guy is going to be fine because we don't do stories where people meet their demise. Um, but, uh, Glenn, if you're in Kentucky and you don't get in a fight with your roommate, what do you think they's fighting about? Alcohol. No. No. Not alcohol. I, I you, you couldn't possibly guess. All right, so I'm going to pretend that I, I, I'm I'm Clifton Williams, okay? And you're my roommate. We'll just call you Glenn. Um, Clifton, dang it, you did it. I'm mad at you. Oh, Chick-fil-A. Somebody ate say, the other's Chick-fil-A. You would say, what did I do? <laughs> and, and I would say, put him up because you ate the last Hot Pocket in the freezer. <laughs> This might be the first shooting ever over a hot pocket. <laughs> That's right. Clifton Williams got angry at his roommate because his roommate ate the last hot pocket. And Clifton was so upset that he pulled out a gun and shot him in the ass. <laughs> Not only will hot pockets burn the inside of your mouth raw, uh, you'll also get shot in the ass over them, though. What is it like? It's like a lava pocket. It is. Called. <laughs> it is. Good Lord. I've never eaten one of those. Oh, I can't too. remember. I mean, I must have been a teenager when I had a last hot pocket. Oh, yeah, my God. That's right. Well, it's fighting. <laughs> them's fighting words in Kentucky. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So um, we're going to go to Duluth. Where is Duluth? I don't even know. Hold on. This is like a huge thing. So I, I don't know where Duluth. Oh, Minnesota. Okay. Duluth, Minnesota. Oh, now our Minnesota listeners are going to be pissed. There is a Duluth in Georgia. This is the Duluth, Minnesota. Oh, okay. Okay. Duluth, Minnesota. A landlord 
Well, I, I don't know how to like say it because like, okay, court records state that in the early morning on Friday, May 18th, first responders were called to an apartment fire and they rushed to the scene. The first responders arrived. They see the apartment in flames and there's a guy upstairs and they're like, we need to run upstairs and save this guy who turns out to be the landlord of the apartments. And they bust open the door. The apartment's on fire and they hear the song and they see the the landlord singing at the top of his lungs to the music what music was blaring while this man was happily torching his own apartment building we didn't start the fire it was always burning to the world's turning we didn't start the fire <laughs> That's right. He was burning his own apartment buildings, blasting Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. That might be the first time that's been played in 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the police were first called because he was busting out the windows while wearing a helmet. And then he (laughs) ran out, got under his truck. Well, we believe in safety on this show, Jamie. Exactly. You got to wear a helmet. Nobody gets hurt horseback riding if you're wearing a helmet. You got to get a helmet. And he goes out of it. The neighbor saw him run to his car and pull out a bunch of gas cans and come running up. And then they saw what they quote, I saw a flash like a fireball. From the upstairs apartment. That's right. There was a drilled gas tank. Uh, apparently a drill laying by lids to gas cans laying around by the truck. He had taken all of it upstairs, <laughs> pulled out all the wires, liquid lines, doused everything in gasoline. And poof, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> it was always burning. It's Do we always have to have burning. a jury trial or can we just send certain people to jail forever? Um, by the way, he was found because he did run (laughs) just get caught he was found the next day with quote fresh burn injuries to his legs and arms yeah no kidding (laughs) (laughs) if convicted he could serve up to 20 years in prison he's currently in st louis county jail and his bail is set to 75 i'm glad about that yeah it's been a long show so i'm gonna get by the way i don't think i'll get called out by the music police because your rendition (laughs) i think was safe Ah, Harry Truman, Thomas, Jay, Red, China, Johnny, Red, South Pacific, North Korea, Maryland, Econ Network doesn't have to worry about a fine for that, I don't think. No, I think we're good. <laughs> um, so this last one, you know, I have probably, I mean, if you're a, if you're a horse person, you might have my opinion. If you're a non-horse person, this is a very unpopular opinion. I would like to comment on what a dumbass this guy is. Bless his heart. He was really stupid. Okay, so we're in Burbank, California. It's 1230 a.m. on a Tuesday. And the Burbank Police Department receive a call about a horse with no saddle, no rider, I mean, with a saddle, no bridle, and no rider galloping frantically down the street, okay? Allegedly, the horse apparently was spooked during a ride with its owner and took off. Now, the horse was seen galloping down the road in this form with 
and and the person who saw him called the police. They're like, hey, there's a horse galloping now with no rider. Obviously, somebody might be hurt. We just need you to come check. So the police come. Burbank. Why are their horses galloping around? Burbank at 1230. Who's riding? I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. So they get there. And the police find the horse. He is now grazing on the side of the road, again, with a saddle on, no bridle, and grazing on the side of the road. They they don't know where the owner is. I think, you know, units go looking for the owner, and they find the owner. And what is this police officer? Did you watch this video, Glenn? I sent it to you. I did. I watched it with the sound off, so. That's, you don't need sound. Okay. It's, so the next thing, this guy is being hailed as a hero. He's a hero. Dr. Sergeant Brent Feckerty said the callers of the horse galloping down the street. And so this officer Moreno turns up on the scene. And what does he do? He's going to reunite the horse and the owner. And this is all on video. He hops up on the horse with no bridle. Puts his fist, gets a fistful of mane. And then the next thing you see is the horse hauling A down the road, <laughs> galloping on the pavement. And this police officer, there people have shared this a billion times because like, oh my God, this police officer hopped on the horse. He has horse experience. He hopped up on this horse and galloped it back to his owner. I'm calling BS. This guy's an idiot. He, there's a horse that is completely freaked out sitting on the side of the road at midnight. This fat cop jumps up on him and basically grabs a bunch of his mane. This horse, if you are a horse person, you are looking at this video. This horse is scared to death. The horse takes off across the road, gallops down the road. And the like surveillance video is uh, this guy is uh, flopping all over this horse as he gallops down the road. And they're like, Oh, he was reunited with his owner. BS. This guy's an idiot. Why would you just hop on a horse with no bridle with a saddle on 1239 all the pavement drive? Idiot. What was your opinion, Glenn? I agree with you hundred percent. I was like, <laughs> that was pretty dumb. Uh, he's just asking to get killed. And oh then, or God. hurt the horse, or hurt the horse. I mean, I've I was I've been walking on pavement, and the horse spooked and fell. You know, and broke I mean, my foot. You like, think he's idiot. like a rodeo rider and is part time? He does you know bronc riding, or I I just feel like maybe this uh, officer Marina was like, hey, I'll watch this. I can ride it. <laughs> hold and, my like, beer. <laughs> hold my beer. I, I I just I saw this and and it was shared. Like, wow, this guy's amazing. No, he's not. He's an idiot. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm with you. God! <laughs> yeah. Moron? What could have gone wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, who knows? I, and then, like, for some reason, if I was in a city riding my horse at 1230 at night and my bridle fell off and I fell off and then some cop rides my horse. I was going to ask you why, road? you know, where? what's the other part of the story about the guy who was riding probably drunk from the bar? See, that's. That's this story is it is framed and this is media, I think, in today's day. Like, wow, midnight, this horse is loose and the, this officer jumps on him with no bridle and gallops to the owner to read. No, the horse just is running away. <laughs> the guy's just sitting on him like an idiot. There's so much more to this story, but that's how you can like take a news story and frame it however you want. If you're an actual 
person who's looking at this and you at all know anything about horses, there's no way you can look and be like, this guy's a dumbass. <laughs> was that the consensus of the comments, by the way? No. Oh. <laughs> I just, I, I was like, hello, unpopular opinion. I feel like this guy's an idiot and there's a lot more to the story that we should probably know about. And where was he? How did he know to gallop back to the owner? He was just running away <laughs> on the road, galloping down the pavement. Anyway, I was sent to me as like, wow, maybe we can do an interview with the officer. Like, that'd be cool. Or he's an idiot. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll be doing an interview anytime soon. By the way, <laughs> multiple people sent me that. So uh, as a weird news subject, um, I'm not the only one who recognizes this is a weird story. <laughs> what state was it in? California. All right. Well, I'm in visiting Burbank, California. California. All right. I'm visiting there in a couple of weeks, so I'm not going to give him the loser sound effect because he could pull me over. So yeah, but you're not going to Burbank, baby. You're flying into oh, Santa right. Barbara. Well, in that case. Which <laughs> man, you are one pathetic loser. All right, then I, I feel comfortable. Then we're okay. Uh, the horse named Oreo was found grazing on some grass in front of a house. That's when Officer Nicholas Moreno, who grew up around horses, got in the saddle. All right, we have to go. I think we know how you feel. <laughs> Tell us how you feel, Jamie. I, by the way, love police officers. One of our best friends is a police officer. I respect everything you do. He probably wouldn't jump on a horse and run down the street in the middle of the night without a bride. No. No, because no, most people wouldn't do that. It, because the more you know horses, you're like, well, that's a really bad idea. Otters, hang on. Bandit or gal? Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense. All right. So uh, welcome, auditors. I'm so glad to be back. And I hope you guys were good. Were they good? Did you have to delete a hundred posts because they were bad? No, while was no, I, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Um, <laughs> but I will tell you that um, I can't sit here long because I have to plan a Dungeons and Dragons themed birthday party tonight. I'm having five boys and my husband and Lucas come over tonight. And it's a slumber party for the boys. And they're going to have... Chad's like, I'm going to make steak dinners for everybody, and then we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons all night. Oh, God, somebody <laughs> kill <Shoot> me. me. <laughs> so if I had to ask you what states, by the way, they, uh, Forbes did a study taking all the accident records and driving records and tickets and all that stuff of all the states and determined the uh, ranking for all 50 states on the worst drivers and the deadliest drivers. So this is bad. These are the baddest drivers of the baddest drivers. So what state would you think is top? And we'll see if we agree with this because you and I, we, I've driven around a good part of the country. So, uh, Well, I will tell you that when I lived in Arizona, I was shocked and how fast everybody goes on the freeway. Like, I mean, the speed limit was like 75 and people ever, you just go a 90 minimum. And so I was, as the first time I drove there, I was in a horse trailer and I was like, oh my God, what is wrong <laughs> with all these people? Why is everybody going? And I was going 70 and everybody's flying past me. So Arizona was bad, but man, I was a traffic reporter in Georgia and Atlanta and dear God, it's like, hey y'all, when it rains, you might want to slow down a little bit, sweetheart. <laughs> Georgia's not in the top 10. However, there is a state that you and I both lived in that's in the top 10, and one you currently live in that's in the top 10. Uh, when I moved to Kentucky, when we moved to Lexington, 
the one thing we said, and everybody that's lived there has said the same thing, they do not know how to merge. They don't look. They just, apparently in Kentucky and driver's ed, they learned that you just go to get on, whether there's cars there in your way or not, you just merge in and they'll let you in. Gas pedals on the right, baby, close your eyes and pray. Oh my God, and that's what they do. It was awful. So the worst drivers, they say, Texas, number one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that, too. We've done a lot of driving in Texas the last couple of years, and, and especially around the cities. Oh, my God. Number two, and they have the worst roads in the United States also, in my opinion, Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Louisiana roads are horrendous. If you're hauling a trailer, you don't want to go through Louisiana. Well, I was amazed by driving in Louisiana because I drove from Atlanta to Arizona when I was moving there. And um, just the amount of dead alligators on the side of the road. (laughs) That means that there's a whole lot more live ones on the side of the road. Just Well, not only that, you hit an alligator, something's going to break in your car. (laughs) And then the rest, you're going to get out and be like, oh, man, we wrecked our car. And then you're dead because you got eaten by an alligator who's in there waiting for it to happen. Kansas, number three. I've never driven through Kansas, actually. Um, I just thought it was just flat. I don't know know much about it. Oklahoma, number four. Really? Why? Uh, Deadliest drivers. Oklahoma, number four. You're high up there. Kentucky. Number five, New Mexico, Wyoming, Arizona, Montana, and South Carolina. Wow. So you want to hear the state that's the best drivers? Minnesota. Now, I would have thought that Minnesota, because of the weather, would have been, you know, some bad drivers too. But apparently they're very cautious up there. So Minnesota was, of all 50 states, had the best drivers. I think it's because they have the least amount of drivers because you can't drive there for about six months a year. (laughs) So statistically, there's going to be less crashes. That's it. (laughs) So there you go. There's the states that you want to avoid. You want to avoid Jamie State, Texas, Louisiana. You know, Wyoming. I am. Hey, the, I had I just was gonna uh, was gonna tell everybody this week. I didn't post anything about it on Facebook, but auditors get special, you know, drama that happens at my farm. So my three or four year old thoroughbred Ace, um, man, on Saturday he just like I brought him up to feed him, and he just really wasn't interested in his food. Um, they're not like, interested in their food. Something yeah. wrong. Ding, ding, ding. And, and so, you know, I pull him out and it was a farm boy had come back for the, for the day and he's gone now, but he came back and, and I was like, Hey, hold him. And I did like, you know, the TPR temperature, pulse, respiration, heart rate, all the things, gums, dehydration checks. Like, and there's nothing wrong with him. I was like, okay, well, maybe he just doesn't like this bag of grain. I don't know. I mean, everybody else ate it, but you know, you just go, okay, I'll just watch him. Bring him in that night, go to feed him again, and he he didn't eat again. Like, just kind of nibbled at it, but like not interested. Like, son of a gun. And at this point, it's Saturday night. And of course, Memorial Day weekend. And there's no way my vet is going to be able to come out. I'd have to haul to to the clinic, which is an hour away. Okay, you know what I'm gonna do that right now. But he, but again, everything else is normal. He's just not eating. Sunday morning, bring him up, not eating. Like, dang it! So I call the hospital, put him in the trailer, drive him up to to Oak Ridge Equine up in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, hour away. Unload him. Vet looks him over. They ultrasound him from the side. It's amazing. They can like check all the, oh, there's the liver, there's the kidney, there's the thing. And and there was 
He's like, there's everything looks normal upon presentation. He said, but his colon, he, he this is the dog. He goes, you know, I, I don't really, there's nothing really major. I mean, he's like depressed. You know, the horse is kind of like, whatever, walking around. And uh, he's like, there's not really anything I see. And then he's like, they get to the colon and they're like, oh, he's like, you know what? Looks a little swirly. And I was like, hold on. That is a medical term. Are colas supposed to look swirly? <laughs> Don't I they go, go round what, and round? What does swirly mean? <laughs> I'm like, is that a thing? And he was like, uh, so um, imagine a, like a giant amount of poop in a washing machine. That's what it looks like. I was like, is that normal? He's like, no, that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. So apparently there's some sort of something brewing in his colon. He has a colitis. Um, but I think we caught it really, really early. So $1,300 later, I picked him up yesterday and today he looks great. Um, long story short, he had a viral, a mild viral colitis that I just happened to notice and notice pretty quick. So, um, he, he, when I, he called me yesterday and he was like, well, you know, cause he called me twice a day. He's like, well, of course, Memorial Day weekend, and there's nobody there having to keep this poor guy there, although they're pretty busy, actually. Um, and I, he calls me, and he's like, well, he's at about 70%. He was like, you can get him or you can leave him up to you. And I was like, I'll oh, just come get him and keep an eye on him here. And so uh, this morning I brought him up, and he was back to himself, ate all his grain and everything. So I don't know what happened. Aside from me, and, and they don't really know what happened. It was just like a mild, potentially a viral colitis. I mean, blood work was done on this horse twice a day. The, here's the good news, Bright Spot, ladies and gentlemen. It's the one horse I have that's insured. Oh, thank God. You finally got lucky. <laughs> Deductible of 350 So I'm, I, you know, I, they were like, would you like some GastroGuard? Would you like that? I'm like, yeah, put it all in the mail. <laughs> Should we do that? Yeah, do it. Yeah. Go well, I'm ahead. glad he's okay. Whatever. Yeah. So, and he did say that he was like, get him out and exercise him, hop on him and ride him around. Is there you know? a disease, an injury that you haven't had? Man, I'm, you know what? I'm going to knock on wood because, uh, you know, I, it's been a heck of a year, but at least like with this one, you know, he's young and it gets pink. My mare who I had to put down, she died of colitis, but hers was like, diarrhea painting the walls kind of colitis so when he said he was like i think it's a colitis i was like no 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 no!" and he was like well there's different degrees it's kind of a diagnosis that they give to something happening it's like in irritable bowel syndrome it's just it's, it's like colic yeah it could be any a number of things yeah. um so i'm learning i learned a lot about colitis and more than I want to know probably, but yeah. So, um, anyway, he's home safe and sound and I didn't, like I said, I didn't post anything about it, but it was really, um, you know, the, the main thing I think Ace learned was don't do this again because he got his first rectal exam and he was not a fan. He was all depressed and mopey and they were like, maybe we should sedate him for this. And I was like, well, if it, any indication on how the thermometer went, you might want to sedate. <laughs> Because he had his first rectal temperature taking, and also not a fan. I did that one, and so he died. He sedated, but thank God he was in stocks. Because somebody would have got hurt. Ace was very offended by that whole ordeal. Most of us are. <laughs> 
<laughs> you would know better. Than I know very well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we're going to leave them with that thought right there. All right, everybody. I'm going to go prepare you my Dungeons and Dragons Slayer for the Thank evening. Thank you for all your support. Now, go ride your horse.